Hi, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies right here on C19 TV and WGWG. Really appreciate you spending time with us as we talk movies and we get a chance to speak to filmmakers as well, explore hot topics and all sorts of other things. But today, uh, very happy to have as our guest, Mary Wharton, uh, the director of the film, Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. Mary, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, really glad that you are here and I'm happy I got a, a chance to check out uh, this documentary a few weeks ago. And uh, I have long been a fan of, of Jimmy Carter, long been a fan of music. So when you, you kind of sold me on the title right off the bat, I knew <laughs> I was going to uh, embrace uh, embrace this documentary. But some of the things I really discovered from watching this, things I didn't really anticipate. Uh, I, I think this film has an amazing sense of authenticity. You really get a sense of hu the humanity of who Jimmy Carter was and still is. And I think anybody who's followed um, Carter's life uh, post-presidency definitely sees and understands that. So all that came through really, really, um, really quite well. And I just want to thank you for uh, exploring the world of Jimmy Carter, but doing it in a unique kind of way. Well, thank you. I mean, that was certainly the aim with the film. Um, you know, I come from a background of having made a number of music documentaries in my career. And so I would not have um, expected ever to be making a film about Jimmy Carter. Um, but when uh, the producer of the documentary, Chris Farrell, uh, came to me with this idea that he had come across when he learned about Jimmy Carter's connection to music and recognized really quickly that that was, was sort of a, an interesting um, idea to pursue for a film. It, it was so exciting to me because here is this man who's perhaps one of the most well-documented people in America in a lot of ways. You know, when he was president, every moment of his life was, was recorded and documented and reported on. And there have been lots of books and, and multiple films made about Jimmy Carter over the years. So to, to sort of discover this aspect of his life that... I didn't know about uh, previously and was was super exciting because I thought, well, if, if I don't know about it, then there's probably a lot of people that don't know about it. And what was so interesting was the fact that this aspect of his life was not exactly a secret. It had been reported on in, in the past but it was sort of hiding in plain sight where no one really explored it in, in a really deep way other than perhaps in a couple of short, you know, newspaper articles, um, but, uh, but not very many of those even. Um, so it was this interesting opportunity to look at, at Jimmy Carter through a new lens. And, you know, it's interesting what you said about, um, that people who are familiar with Carter's post-presidency work have a good sense of his, his humanity and, and his, his caring towards other people and all of the great work that he's done with the Carter Center, which is truly impressive um, and, and says a lot about who Jimmy Carter is. 
But a, a lot of people, whether they're, you know, liberal or conservative or whatever, will, will acknowledge that, you know, post-presidency work and they'll say things like, you know, I, I really love what Carter has done in his post-presidency work, but he wasn't a very good president. And one of the things that I discovered in, in making this film is that if you like what he's done since he's president, if you go back and look at what he did while he was president and in everything that he's done in his life, he's always remained true to this very strong moral compass that he has that always points him in the same direction. And it's not like he's changed what he's doing over time. He's always done these things. He's always been a fighter for civil rights and human rights and women's rights. And, um, and he's always tried to do the right thing as best he knows how. And that is something that we could, I think we all should aspire to do. So I learned a lot in, in the making of this film and it was certainly inspiring to me. And I hope that, that other people are maybe inspired by perhaps seeing a different side of Jimmy Carter than they've ever seen before. I think when you walk away from this documentary, you do get that sense of the choices he made throughout his life. And you had some amazing archive footage going way back into his early days in politics, well before uh, he was president. But you, you got that sense that the choices he made, he did make with with a purpose in mind, with a purpose for how can we make things better for, for those around us? What can we do to help those, to help humanity come together and unite in whatever the right cause is? And this documentary did that so well, and it just so happened it was around that lens of utilizing music uh, to help kind of narrate and, and be that common thread throughout. But uh, ultimately, the theme of this, I really do feel that you get a sense that this is a man who loves people, who was compassionate for those around him, and wants to help make the world a better place, no matter what that is. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I, I, I can't speak highly enough of my admiration for you know what he's done and. Um, and it, it, it really is remarkable in this day and age, you know, we tend to get very uh, jaded and we tend to fall into the trap of believing that there's nothing that we can do as individuals to change the world. And I think Jimmy Carter is a great example of, of an expression that, that I have to credit my mother for, for constantly drilling this into me as, you know, for my whole life that uh, I think it was Margaret Mead that said, never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that ever has. And, you know, yeah. um, so, you know, we, we live in, in 
confusing and challenging times. And, um, you know, it, it, if you don't like the way things are going, then, you know, it's, it's up to, to all of us to, to pitch in and help out and, and do what we can to make the world a better place. And I think that, you know, Jimmy Carter has constantly shown us the way. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you began to explore the world of Jimmy Carter and using music as, uh, as that kind of connection, talk about that kind of development process of who you knew that you wanted to interview uh, and maybe some of those interviews that, that happened that you didn't expect to happen. Well, I mean, we had such an incredible cast of characters to tell this story. And um, yeah, going into it, the producer and I, Chris and I, um, you know, we had a lot of discussions about who there, there was a, you know, an ongoing list of, of wish list of folks that, that we felt like there were the must haves and there are the, wouldn't it be nice. And, um, and that was constantly evolving. Um, but there were a few key people that we knew we needed, um, to, to, you know, make this, this really happen in the way that it did. And obviously, uh, part of that was was about kind of uh, you know having enough star power, if you will, to get people to pay attention to the film, and so the people like Willie Nelson and Bob Dylan um, and Paul Simon and um, Roseanne Cash were, you know, that was something that we figured we needed folks at that level and, and Bono say, for example, and I um, was lucky enough. I'm lucky enough to have a fantastic um, working relationship with a gentleman named Bill Flanagan, who was the writer for our film. And he's a very respected music writer and, um, and novelist and, uh, and a, a good friend of mine, and he was literally the first person that I called when uh, we realized we were going to move forward with this project. Um, was 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 Bill because I I knew that he was the only person that I knew that would be able to get us those folks that I just mentioned. Right. And he, you know, obviously couldn't make us any promises in the beginning, but he was willing to try. And he, through, you know, great acts of diplomacy and cajoling and whatever else he needed to do to convince people to come on board. But then quite honestly, there was something really miraculous about uh, Jimmy Carter has this attraction and this power that people wanted to be a part of it because it was for Jimmy. And people like Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood were so gracious and offering their time and letting us come in and invade their personal space and and you know shoot interviews in their offices and um, 
And they were just, you know, so on board from the jump and willing to, to be a part of this in a way that was um, remarkable, I think. And, and it really came down to, uh, it, it was kind of like, as, as long as everyone understood that Jimmy Carter was on board with this project and that he was sanctioning it, um, it opened a lot of doors for us. Um, but I think to answer your question about the surprising interviews, um, there were a couple that were amazing, uh, you know, one of which was Niall Rogers, who um, we knew that Carter had met Niall Rogers one time, and Niall had this um, organization, has this organization called the We Are Family Foundation that had honored President Carter a few years back. And we figured we would just interview Niall about that one particular night and his experience with with meeting Carter that one time. But he was so well-spoken and so eloquent and informed about the whole story and had so much to add that he became this major presence in the movie because of how uh, smart he is and how great everything he was saying was that, you know, it was sort of, he, he was a really uh, pleasant surprise. And, um, and the other one was Chuck Lavelle, who from the Allman Brothers, who was one of our, um, you know, not necessarily the last interview we did, but, but he was kind of on the tail end of where we were in this moment of trying to decide what else we needed for the film. Right. And as soon as we shot Chuck's interview, it was kind of like, I think we're done here. <laughs> like, what else do we need, you know? And Because those two guys wound up being such important thread throughout the whole film. Um, but, you know, for me, it was a huge honor and a thrill to have Madeline Albright in our film. I mean, she's a very busy lady and she gave us some time and was so, so good. And, you know, she's famous for wearing brooches. Um, and she, she often picks out a special brooch for, for whatever she's doing that day. And, and she wore a brooch for our interview, which has a whole bunch of musical instruments dangling from it. And yeah. the fact that she picked out a special brooch for yeah. our movie was yeah. so amazing yeah. to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love what you were saying about the interviews that helped to maybe give more life to this that you didn't know was going to happen. That's what I love about documentary is you may go in with one idea or one thought, okay, I want to tell this story. But once you start getting deeper and deeper and once you start getting subjects to interview and just let them talk, you can discover things that you never anticipated and that can help not change the narrative, but it can, but it can help give, fuller body to the narrative. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened with those two interviews in particular. Absolutely. I mean, it is one of the things that I also love about documentary filmmaking is that it, 
you can have a very specific idea and oftentimes you you are sort of required or forced in the in the beginning to write up these very elaborate treatments where you you essentially describe an entire film that that hasn't that doesn't exist you know but but you have to do the you have to go through this process it helps you to develop your ideas about what you want to go after but oftentimes it's just a way of like explaining to whoever is giving you the money for this film, yes, yes. What, where their money is gonna go, what it's right. gonna be spent on, and, and helping them to understand your vision in a way. But, but with a real documentary, you have to, you get into the edit room and, and you have to let the film tell you what it needs to be. If you Absolutely. try to force it into some preconceived notion that you had going in, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. It's just not going to live and breathe in the way that it needs to. And, and this film, you know, I definitely had some very clear ideas going in about certain things, about how I wanted to open the film and, and also always beginnings and endings are always the hardest part as well. Um, figuring that out usually doesn't ever come right in the beginning, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, there were definitely stories that we wanted to, to, or, or things that we wanted to talk about in the film that we were never able to find a specific musical connection to. Okay. So we, we set a, we set a pretty high bar for ourselves of like that, that music was always going to be our touchstone that we always would return to that idea of how does this connect with music and if there is no musical connection then why is it even in our film because wow. what we were doing was making a music documentary about jimmy carter wow and the idea of that is weird right and <laughs> that's what i loved about it i loved the weirdness of it and, and so i sort of forced myself to stay true to that you know, live in the weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you think about it. The, you look at the rise of, of who he was, Jimmy Carter, Plains, Georgia, the weirdness of him becoming president of the United States in itself. How did that happen? And, right. and so you embracing the weird, I think that just is quite fitting for, for this. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know that we are about out of time. You've got to run to another interview, but uh, the documentary is Jimmy Carter, rock and roll president. We are talking with director Mary Wharton. I want to give you a chance to say any final thoughts uh, or comments you would like about this documentary, about something maybe I didn't ask that you would like the audience to know. Well, you know, I would just say that, um, you know, the other thing that was really important for us to try to, um, sort of convey in in this film is just the power of music is so strong and i think that we may have lost touch a little bit in in 
modern times with how important music is in our lives and the power that it has to bring us together and to remind us that we're all a lot more alike than we are different. And we can all dance to the same piece of music and we can all celebrate the joy of, of humanity that lives in all of us. And I think we need to you know, especially in these times where we're very disconnected from other human beings and we can't go out into a big crowd and dance and and sing and celebrate together, but we will be able to do that again. And um, so I hope that uh, the, mu- the, the film can bring a little reminder of that joy into our lives and, um, and that we can, we'll all be celebrating together again soon. Yeah, Mary, thank you so much for being our guest. If, if anybody wanted to follow your work or follow you, do you have any particular routes that you would like to uh, send to people? Well, send people to jimmycartermovie.com. Watch the movie. <laughs> awesome. Mary Wharton, uh, director of Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President, our guest right here on Meet Me at the Movies and Cinema Scene for C19 TV, WGWG, and Elements of Madness. I'm Noel T. Manning II. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Um, That is a wrap.